0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Well, let's pull out our Bibles. We are going to be in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John. If you uh, didn't bring a Bible along this morning, we always hope that you do, but uh, feel free to get your Bible app open on your phone and also... Uh, reach inside your program and pull out the crosswalk notes. Those will make it more easy for you to follow along in my message today. It is great to be back. And as Pastor Dan has shared with us over the last two weeks, I, I got a chance to listen to the two podcasts on our website, and so I feel caught up. But he did a beautiful job of launching this series, really reminding us that What this series is about is that we are going to know better who we are when we know better who our Savior Jesus is. And that because through faith in him, he he lives inside of us and he's lived, more importantly, for us and died for us. When we link ourselves by faith to him, our identity actually gets more firmly established by knowing who he is. That's the premise of this entire series. And he started out by saying, for example, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And that means that we don't any longer have to let our identity be altered or changed by pursuing our appetites in life because we have the one The one God himself who satisfies us, he is the bread of life. And last week he talked about Jesus' claim that he is the light of the world. And that also is wonderful because it tells us, again, exactly who we are. We are not just people meandering or wandering in confusion and darkness. We are children of the light because we follow the one and we put our faith in the the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. And we're continuing with that same theme today. And I, I'm going to dive right into the crosswalk notes. Take a look at John chapter 10, verse 11. I said we would be in the gospel of John chapter 10. I want to look at verse 11 first, because this really lays down the theme for our entire message today. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd." The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Will you do me a favor and just underline the words good shepherd? This is what we're going to be exploring today. Jesus Jesus claimed that he is the good shepherd. What does that mean, and how does it impact your identity? How does it help you be more confident about who you are, who you really are, to know that Jesus is the good shepherd? Before we dive any further into John chapter 10, though, I want you to know that Understanding who you are is really only about 25% of the bigger picture. It's only one part of what Jesus wants you to know about yourself and your life. In other words, there's a context for understanding your identity that involves three other very important things that God clearly speaks about in the gospel, in the good news. And these are all very good news truths that if we know them, they're critically important to knowing ourselves. So write that down in that very first blank, four gospel truths critical to truly knowing myself. First is the one we're talking about in this series, identity. Identity. Do I know who I am? And let me just tell you, we could build message series about, about all four of these. We could have, as we're having a whole message series about identity, we could have a message series really to talk for six or seven weeks about the next one, which is destiny. Destiny is, do I know where I'm going to end up? Do I know what it says on the very last page and the last chapter of my story, the story that God is writing about me? Do I know where I'm going to end up? The third one is purpose. Do I know why I'm here? What, why did God put me here? What's the purpose of my life? And the final one is possibility. Possibility. And that's really to ask ourselves the question, do I know what's possible for me? What can I hope to accomplish or achieve? Or what do I have power, authority? What's possible for me? Identity, destiny, purpose, and possibilities. These these four things, these four questions, who am I? Where am I going to end up? Um, what, why am I here and, and what's possible for me are critically important questions that all of us need to have the answers to if we're going to have some self-assurance, some confidence in life, to really feel that we are moving through life with a sense of self-esteem and even beyond that courage. And what's interesting is, what I want to start this message today by asking you is, Who do you allow to help you answer those questions? Who in your life has a voice that you listen to when it comes to to answering the question, who am I really? Why am I here? Where am I going to end up? And what's possible for me? Here's my premise. I really believe that we all have people that we let speak to those questions when we're trying to answer them. I, uh, Julie and I watched a, a movie uh, while we were on vacation called The Way, Way Back. If you've ever had one of those old station wagons where the back seat was reversed, and the person sitting in the very back seat of the station wagon actually looks out the back window, not the front window, then you know what the title of that movie means, The Way, Way Back. That's where this teenage kid, about 15 or 16, always got to sit with his family, in The Way, Way Back, all by himself. And this is a story about a young man who is going through his teen years and struggling with who he is and who he's becoming. What's really interesting in this story is his mom has divorced his dad. And his mom is now dating a new guy, fallen in love with a new guy. And one of the early scenes in the movie uh, is of this boyfriend played by Steve Carell, sitting down with this young boy and just asking him the question. So on a scale of one to ten, wh- what do you think you'd give yourself as far as being a quality person? And the kid doesn't really say much because it's clear that he has a lot of self-doubt. And, and Steve Carell's character says, you know what I'd give you? I'd give you a three. Ouch. On a scale of one to ten, this guy that his mom is dating is going to give him a three. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, do you know why you're here with your mom and me? Because your real dad doesn't even want you. Oh, my goodness. If you've ever had people in your life, and and usually it's people that we're close to or or people who have a great deal of influence in our life, send messaging your way that sounds like that. Be a voice in your life, in your heart. You may be very confused about what your identity is and not very uh, uh, self-assured at all. Have you had a mom or dad who said damaging things to you about your identity or a best friend in high school or college who just couldn't lay off and and had to somehow make cutting remarks that always undermined your idea of who you are or or a spouse or as we get older, our our children start to say things about us. If. If you've had that, you know what that young boy was going through in that movie way, way back. And that's what we're talking about today is that usually for most of us, there are many voices that we listen to when we're trying to answer these critical questions, identity, destiny, purpose, possibility. And the question really is this, who should we be listening to? And I I want you to write this down. Who gets to tell me the answer to these questions? Very interesting, because the Apostle John, we're in chapter 10. It's interesting to see how John starts this gospel, where he's going to talk about the life of Jesus. And I put this verse in your crosswalk notes. Notice how John begins chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And if you look at that verse very closely, you notice that the the term Word is capitalized. Which means it's a reference to someone or something else. It's, it's a proper noun, which, which means he's referencing not just words on a page, but something else. We know it's not just a something, though, because in verse 2, what's the pronoun that starts with? Not it was with God in the beginning, but he was with God in the beginning. But it's not until you read down to verse 14 of John chapter 1 that you encounter this this verse that says, the word, still capitalized, the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. And then we, we go, aha, the word is Jesus the one and only who came from the Father. Now, knowing that the word is Jesus, notice what it says about Jesus. And the word, Jesus, was with God in the creation, in the beginning when all things were made. He was there and he was God, which means he is God. He was with God in the beginning and through him, All things were made. So we're here, John is saying. You're reading this book. You're hearing this account of Jesus because he created you. He's your capital C creator. He's the author of your story. He's the sculptor of your life. And without him, nothing would be here. You see how he finishes it? Without him, nothing was made that has been made. You wouldn't be here. The people sitting in this room next to you wouldn't be here. The chairs wouldn't be here. The school wouldn't be here. The universe wouldn't be here. And John starts this gospel out this way because he wants wants to answer this question I just asked you. Who should we let speak into our life? Who gets to have a voice into our hearts and our minds and our very spirits and souls. You and I know, practically speaking, there are a lot of voices. But what John is saying is, ultimately, there is only one voice. There is only one person the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ, who is your creator. He is the author of your story. He is the sculptor of your life. And he is the one, if you're going to listen to any voice, and if you're going to let, allow anyone to help you answer these questions, who am I, where am I going to end up, what am I here for, what's possible for me, it's Jesus He's the voice that we should allow into our hearts. And that takes us right back to the Good Shepherd. Because what does Jesus say as we read through chapter 10? You're, you're going to hear him say this My sheep listen to my voice. Now, there's one other, even bigger and more dramatic reason why. We listen to Jesus' voice beyond him being our creator, which is pretty huge. And that is what Jesus, go right back up to the top of the page. Notice, notice what Jesus says in John 10, 11, but in the second sentence. And if you read that carefully, you notice that Jesus is not just talking about the shepherd, but the good shepherd. And what does he say the good shepherd ultimately is going to do for you, for me? Has done, actually, past tense, for you and me. The good shepherd, and will you you underline these words, lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is is using this metaphor of a shepherd, which everybody in Jesus' day could clearly understand because most of the people around Jerusalem and in the rest of Israel, um, that's what they did. They were rural people. They were farmers. Their bank was their flock. So this was very relatable to the people. And there could have been many things that this metaphor of a good shepherd was about because what did shepherds do with the sheep? Shepherds, for sure, lead the sheep. Shepherds feed the sheep. They make sure they're led to food and water. Shepherds heal the sheep if they get injured or if they get stuck in a thicket. They're there to heal and rescue them. Shepherds do all kinds of things, and we could have made this message about all of those kinds of things, but... As I sat down and read and then reread John chapter 10, something became clear to me that Jesus' teaching about being the good shepherd was not really about several things or many things. He keeps repeating one phrase over and over again. And it's that phrase we just read. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's the one thing Jesus wants you to hear this morning. That's the one thing that Jesus wanted the people standing before him when he originally taught this to understand that they have a good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. And when you think about that, and when you really deeply understand that, you're going to understand that that has humongous impact on you understanding who you are in the sight of Jesus, and ultimately who you are in the sight of God the Father. And I want, I want to go to one of John's closest associates, friend, fellow apostle Peter who kind of riffs on this theme of Jesus laying down his life for the sheep. And he talks about it in a way that shows us that Jesus lays down his life, not because of who you are, certainly not because of who I am, but because of who he is. It's not what's going on in your heart and mind. It's not what you're doing with your your hands and your feet or your mouth that caused Jesus to lay down his life. It's Jesus and his heart and his mind, his hands and his feet. He says in this very passage, I do it willingly. I do it because this is who I am. God is love. I am love. And so if the question meanders through your mind during this message, why would Jesus lay down his life for me? Know that this is the answer. It's not because of you. And in fact, it's far more assured that he actually did this because he did it being love. That's who he is. And that's why he laid down his life for you. Peter says this. And it's in your crosswalk notes for, you know, that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Do you get what Peter's saying that our fathers and mothers, our grandparents, all of our ancestors stretching back for generations and generations handed us a very lame hand Because they inherited sin from their ancestors and now that original sin, that inherited sin has been handed off to us. We are born sinful is what Peter says. And it's an empty way of life. But you were redeemed, meaning you were bought out of that life. You were ransomed from that life. And how were you ransomed? Verse 19 tells us, with the precious Blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I want you to think for a moment about those other voices that sometimes give you information about who you are, where you're going to end up, those questions that we've talked about. Have you ever been made to feel by someone else in your life, a parent, a a buddy, a child, a spouse, that you hold no value, that you're not worth very much, that either a comment, you know the old famous comment, I wish you were more like and fill in the blank that made you feel, wow, (laughs) I guess the value of whoever's name filled in that blank is way higher than me. I must not be worth very much. Well, look at what Peter is telling us about why Jesus laid down his life for you. It was to say to you the very valuable life of the Son of God himself was the price of your being ransomed out of sin and death and guilt and shame and ultimately. The price of his life and his blood was what transfers us from unholiness and unrighteousness to holiness and righteousness and eternal life. That was the precious price paid for you. Peter says... You were redeemed from the empty way of life with the precious, circle that word, precious blood of Christ, the valuable blood of Christ. And what makes a thing valuable? Peter suggests one of the reasons things get valuable is because they, they don't have a blemish. They're without defect. When, when I was 16, I got my first car. It was a 1956 Mercury, salmon-colored. Uh, they just don't make salmon-colored cars anymore. People today would call it pink. And it it was not quite flawless. One of the, the lenses on the lights was falling off. But still, it was in good enough shape that when I would drive down the street, especially after I polished it up really nice, and it shone my mom's friend had sold me this, this car for a dollar and it ran so beautifully. I would stop at a, at a red light and, and people would roll down their windows. Where'd you get that? That car's awesome. Would you sell it to me? I heard that many times just at a stoplight because they saw the car as pristine and flawless without blemish. And while it wasn't, still to see an old, old car in almost mint condition made people value it. You see, what what Peter is telling us is that Jesus truly was, when he offered himself as the perfect lamb of sacrifice, he was in mint condition flawless, and the value of that is inestimable. And then you add to that something even more important, which is, the blood shed and the life given up there was the blood of God. It was divine blood shed to redeem you and me. It was a divine life that was sacrificed so that we could be bought out of this empty way of life and be placed into a life that's really life. That's why it says here it's the precious blood of Christ. And why did Jesus do that? Well, when you offer something in exchange for something else, what are you really saying that thing is worth? You're not going to pay a large sum or a precious sum for something that's worthless. By, By giving his own life and by shedding his precious blood, what is he saying about you? You are precious to him. You have very Very high value in the eyes of God. And as we go through this, here's what I'm going to challenge you. You see, what Jesus wants to do in laying down his life for us, he wants to shut the door on other voices. As the good shepherd, he doesn't want you listening to other voices, other shepherds. And it's interesting because in in this story, if you read all of John chapter 10, he even talks about some other characters. For example, there's thieves and there's robbers. You have people in your life who want to steal your soul and your spirit from you. You You have people who either through sneaking it away from you like a thief or forcing it away from you like a robber, don't want you to be certain about your relationship to Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And they want to demolish and crush your identity in him. He he talks about the hired hand. We'll come across him in a moment, so I won't tell you about him yet. And then he talks about the wolves, those who actually want to devour us whole when it comes to our spirit and our soul. And so in in saying these, here's what I, 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 I want to ask you. If Jesus has shut the door on this issue and has answered the question, how valuable am I? How valuable are you? By saying, well, you are so valuable in the eyes of God that God gave up his one and only son for you. That that one and only son shed his holy precious blood for you. He gave up his life for you. Are you going to crack open that door again? The one that Jesus shut? by giving up his life, and begin to listen to other shepherds, thieves, robbers, and wolves, even people who may be very close to you, people that you trust, your parents, your spouse, your children, your best friends, who who make you feel as if you are worth less, are going to shut the door on their voice. And listen to the voice of Jesus who says, you are so valuable to me that I gave up my life and my holy precious blood for you. Here's what I want you to write down. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep because they are valuable to him. John goes on and he says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, will you circle those words, all his own? He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. What Jesus is saying here is that we belong to him. We are his own. And he knows us so well that when... The gate of the sheep pen is open. We follow him out. We listen to his voice. And he he knows us well enough to know each of us by name. Like the Bible says, God has the very hairs on on your head numbered. God knows you intimately. And he wants to be with you. Read the next verse. The hired hand, he says, is completely different. A whole other story. Not the good shepherd. And he... And here's why he does not own the sheep. With the good shepherd, in other words, we belong. We are his sheep and his flock. We are part of his pen. The hired hand, we don't belong. He doesn't own us. And and therefore, he doesn't really care about us. Now, we might expect him to. You know what the hired hand represents in this story? The hired hand represents the people that you're familiar with because you go past them every day. Maybe there's a hired hand that acts as a gatekeeper. Maybe there are other hired hands that help the good shepherd with the shepherding. You know them, and because you know them, you might expect that they could have a decent voice into answering those four questions we started about. And you expect them to help you and shore you up. Could be family members that you have set up an expectation that these are people that will have my back and be there for me. Could be friends. Could be a spouse. But what does the hired hand do? You see, the hired hand is selfish. It's very clear in John chapter 10. He cares about his own life more than the life of the sheep. He cares about the profit that he's going to get, the pay that he's going to get. He doesn't care about the life of the sheep. You have hired hands in your life. And Jesus is saying, you don't belong with the hired hands. You belong to me and with me. Now, let me ask you this. Sometimes something that's very damaging to our identity and and us understanding who we are is when we don't feel like we have a place. When we are made to feel, or we begin to feel, we don't belong. When when we come into a group of people and we feel like we are aliens, we're left... On the outside, we're not invited in. And when you get there, when you, sometimes it's just moving to a new place. Or sometimes it's after very long relationships where people just, they've determined to exclude you. And you're just left with that constant feeling, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if I belong with these people. And you know what Jesus is telling you today? You belong You belong with him because you belong to him. And what that means for us is if you're sitting in this auditorium today, it's because you're listening to the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd who has called you into this church and you belong. I don't care what your background, your ethnicity, how much you've known Jesus before, maybe a lot, maybe not at all. You're here today because Jesus, your good shepherd, said, come on in here. You belong. And as as other sheep that follow Jesus, we want you to feel strongly. You belong here with Jesus and with us. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. Flip the page over. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep because they belong to him. Don't, don't, don't listen to the voice, either internal or external, that say, I don't know where I fit in. I don't know where home is. I don't know where I belong. You fit in with Jesus, your Savior, your Good Shepherd. He's your home. He's the right place for you. John ten thirteen to 15. Notice what the hired hand does. The man, which is the hired hand, he runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I, I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And here comes that thought again. And I laid down my life for the sheep. He keeps coming back to that. You see what a difference there is with the, with the good shepherd? Just last summer, 2013 in Idaho, there was a, a huge paddock hundreds of sheep out in the, in the field and uh, still, uh, still being tended to very much like in ancient times. And at 1 a.m. in the morning, according to the story in the newspaper, a pack of wolves came upon this big flock of sheep in Idaho and attacked it. And the next day when the owner came... He walked into a decimated flock, 176 sheep lay dead. There was a photo of it in the the paper article, just sheep just scattered everywhere, dead carcasses of sheep. And of course, in the article, I don't know, I don't know what happened to the shepherds I hired. Uh, Clearly, they weren't here to protect my sheep. But as he continued to explore the evidence of that site, he saw something really intriguing. Only one sheep of all the 176 that died had been killed and eaten by wolves. The other 175, do you know how they died? They died because they became so frightened, they started to run and ultimately they stampeded and some of them stumbled on the rough ground and it became like black friday at target store and there was a crush of sheep and 175 sheep ended up dying in piles from suffocation one died because of the wolves now wolves they they create tremendous havoc because they're so frightening but isn't it also true sometimes in the church that because of fear, we trample on one another? And, and that's why it's important to understand as much as we enjoy the fellowship and the love of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and can expect to have that because that's who we are. Nevertheless, we, there are people sitting in this room who have been damaged in church who have been damaged and hurt and even questioned their identity because of what other Christians have done to them or said to them. They have been trampled on and their spirit has been robbed of spiritual oxygen and they have suffocated because of that. What Jesus is telling us is that We are to be a church that, like him, is willing to give up of ourselves and sacrifice and lay down our lives for one another so that not only Jesus is a good shepherd, but we are good under-shepherds. Notice what Jesus says about how much you matter to him. John 10, 27-28, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And then I want you to underline these words. I want you to hear these words. No one will snatch them out of my hand. If you've ever felt, not only I'm not valued, or not only I don't have a place, I I don't know where I belong. If you've ever felt, I don't matter to anyone. And that's like... Thinking you don't matter to anyone is like pouring acid on your identity. It's so corrosive to believe that no one cares about you. And that's why knowing who Jesus is, is so important to to knowing who you are. You are a dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And you matter to Jesus Christ. You matter to God. You matter so much that Jesus makes an amazing promise. He says, you will not be snatched out of my hand. You're mine. And I love you. And you and your life, they matter to me. You see, if you want to have a firm idea about who you are, it's so important to know that despite what anyone else has told you, parents, children, best friends, and and it it just plays on your mind, doesn't it? You think to yourself, well, these are people who know me. Think about that, that 15, 16-year-old in the way, way back of the station wagon and, 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 the, and the guy his mom is in love with saying, you're a three, dude, and even your own dad doesn't want you. We need to hear only one voice, the voice of the good shepherd. And, and I want to remind you again, he's closed the door on all these other voices. Parents, children, best friends, co-workers, and you need to keep that door closed. And when it starts to creak open, you need to come back to this and go, nope, nope, nope. No matter what they feel about me, no matter what they say to me, I know that I am valued by God himself, the creator of the universe, the one who loves me so much, he laid down his life for me. I know that I have a place where I belong with him and with the other sheep of his flock. And and I know most of all that I really matter to him. And close the door on those other voices and listen to the voice of your good shepherd. Write this down. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep because they matter to him. You matter to him. And that's why the same apostle, John, The disciple whom Jesus loved, he wrote this gospel of John, but many years later, he also wrote an epistle to some churches. And this is what he said. See what great love the Father has lavished on all of us? That we should be called children of God? And that is what we are. That is what you are, children of God, redeemed by the holy, precious blood of Christ. And I'm going to tell you as I close up today, that you're still going to be tempted. I'm still going to be tempted at times to follow into the devil's trap. And what is that? To need other voices. To pay attention to the thieves, the robbers, the hired hands, and the wolves. And And the devil's trap is this thought. I need someone. And you can write in here if you want. I ran out of space. I need someone or something else other than God to validate my identity by valuing me, giving me a place to belong or making me confident that I matter to someone. Be real, be honest. Do you need someone else to tell you other than Jesus that you're valued, that you have a place, that you belong, that you matter? If you do, That's a setup for the devil's trap. I'm not saying it's wrong to have family who love you or to have family that you love and say, you matter to me and I value you. That's that's awesome. That's wonderful. That's what we hope happens in the church family. But if those voices of sinful people, remember, we've been handed down this empty way of life. If their voices get louder than the voice of Jesus, if the voice of thieves and robbers and, and hired hands and, and, and wolves drown out the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd, that's the devil's trap. And that's why Jesus closed the door. And that's why we have to keep the door closed on any other voices and, and listen only. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. And you know what? This is, this is a truth that didn't start in John chapter 10. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, going way back to the time of David, a thousand years before Christ, is this Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Surely goodness and love will follow me All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an awesome thought, and that is God's truth. And this is how I would summarize it The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, you lack nothing, not an identity, not a destiny. Not a purpose, not a possibility, because you have Jesus as your good shepherd. All right, I'm going to do something real quick as we, as we go down. I want you to flip back to the first page before I pray. And I want to give you... Four verses so that the voice of Jesus can speak to you about your identity, destiny, purpose, and possibility. So one of the verses we've already looked at, 1 John 3.1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are, what we are. So write down in the left column next to identity, 1 John 3.1. Destiny. After first John three one, I want you to write Job nineteen twenty-five to twenty-seven. That verse tells you what you can expect to be written on the last page of your book and your story. Job nineteen twenty five to twenty seven. Job nineteen twenty five to twenty seven. Purpose. Next to purpose, write 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. You know this one, I think, if if you've read your Bible. Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's, that's your purpose to bring glory to God in your life. And then finally, possibility, Philippians 4:13: "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." All right, so let's close out with the memory verse. Here's the verse I want you to take home with you today. On the bottom of the second side, "My sheep listen to my voice." We listen to his voice. I know them and they follow me. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And here's the bottom line. Your identity is bulletproof because your good shepherd makes it clear that you are, you are valued. You have a place where you belong. And you matter very, very, very much to him. Let's pray. Your Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have sent us Jesus to be our savior and our good shepherd And as we listen to his voice, Lord, reassure us once again that we know exactly who we are. And even beyond that, we know where we're going to end up. Uh, We we know what's possible for us. We know our very purpose in life because we listen to the voice of our good shepherd. Lord, thank you for sending us, Jesus, to die on the cross and to to shed his holy, precious blood to show us how much we we are valued and how much we matter. Lord, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would enter every heart and mind in this room. And assure every person here today that they know exactly who they are because they will listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. So, as we send you home today, I want to just give you one practical thing to do. You heard Jesus say, My sheep listen to my voice. What I want to encourage you to do is take those four passages that I shared with you at the end of the message, look them up after you leave church today, write them down. Write them down on a piece of paper or a a card, and put them in your wallet, put them in your purse. Put it on your bathroom mirror and and listen to the voice of your good shepherd, Jesus, tell you who you are, where you're going to end up, what your purpose in life and what's possible for you. Listen to the voice of your Savior who laid down his life for you, tell you. And push away and close the door on all the other voices that want to tell you what your identity, your destiny, your purpose, and your possibility is. Go home and write those down and keep them in a place where you can review them regularly. Let me send you home with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord. If you want someone to pray with you, just stay in your seat. We have a prayer team that will do that. And on your way out, greet another child of God, especially one you don't know yet. We'll see you out on the patio.